Happy Sabbath. Good to see so many faces today. Hope you had a great week. Or even if you had a bad week, this is a, this is a, sermon. This is a sermon for you. Because <laughs> um, today I just wanted to share a message of encouragement for all of us. I know that um, we all might be going through something uh, now and then. We always face trials in our lives um, because we live in a broken world. And um, even though we try our best at times, uh, we still come across difficulties that are out of our hands. Um, those of you who know me well might know that I'm not much of a public speaker, but uh, if God wants to use me today, then I'm happy to uh, share this message and be an instrument of God today. But before we start, let's just bow our heads for prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful, beautiful day, Lord. Everyone's in the park, uh, the sun's shining, and um, our brothers and sisters are here to listen to your word, Lord. Lord, I am not worthy to um, be portraying your word, but thank you for um, using me anyway, Lord. And uh, please let your word speak through me, Lord, and not be my own words. Pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So a few years back, uh, when I was still a young Christian, um, um, I wanted to take you back to that time when I was um, I just got back to church. From being a promoter in nightclubs and encouraging young people to live a very worldly lifestyle, I um, have now come to a point where I wanted to encourage the young people to cherish um, the fellowship of each other, the fellowship of uh, the the peop- wise people in the church, and to be able to appreciate God's word. And so every Friday night, we would have small group, care group we call it at the time. And during that time, um, without fail, I would try to prepare some food. At that time, it was fried rice, um, tom yum fried rice. It was... Uh, some spring rolls, maybe some mushroom soup, etc., etc. And I'll try to go there very early and make sure that the food's ready before the hungry young people arrived. And at that time, I was, I was very thankful that I had a young pastor. His name is Pastor Tini and his wife, Gemmelin. They were very, very um, supportive of my ministry, and they kept encouraging me during that time. And uh, also, as I was growing as a young Christian, I became more open to listen to other people. You know, I grew up in the church, but many times you have that attitude where, oh, I've heard that before. You know, I, I know that already. I've heard, um, I've heard this story before. But uh, now I'm more open to listen to uh, the wisdom of people. And I realized that our church, our small little church, Spotswood, had all these older people with 
life experiences and their journeys with God that are unique on their own. And yeah, I was very blessed to listen to their journeys because many of them actually didn't um, didn't grow up being Adventists. So I learned a lot from their from their life experiences and listening to how God worked uniquely in their own lives. So about two years into this new Christian life that I had, I came across a massive event in my life that shook me. And it really shook the core of my world at the time. Even when I was living a worldly lifestyle and experiencing all this trauma um, before I came back to church, I never experienced experienced something this vividly um, painful. And um, at that time, I would say it shattered my heart. And looking back, even as a grown man, I never thought that I would wail. And because uh, you might think you might shed a few tears here and there, but uh, at that point in my life, I actually wailed. And I was like, wow, you know, um, I'd be in the, uh, I'd be in the, in my bedroom and uh, my parents' bedroom will be um, just down the corridor. But this was so traumatic that I actually uh, wailed. At that time, I was very puzzled because for the past two years, I was doing, from my perspective, I was doing everything right. I was actually... Uh, following everything I knew that I was supposed to do as a young Christian. You know, I wanted to grow. I wanted to learn. So I was actually uh, obeying all of God's commandments, as you would say. And how come this thing happened to me? It was very puzzling to me. And I must admit that that was a crossroad for me. A crossroad where I had to decide whether I wanted to go back to my old ways, whether I wanted to ditch all this God stuff, and I wanted to just um, go back uh, to the old lifestyle. Or the other choice was for me to, to let God speak to me through this experience and let him teach me um, and uh, let his word transform me. And I look back and I can say that I praise God that he surrounded me with people, loving people, that uh, reminded me of his promises. And at that point, uh, as I said, I grew up in a Christian household. So, uh, you know, you, you learn these verses as you, as you grow up. You might have learned them through songs or through memorization, but uh, these verses uh, were very um, instrumental to help me uh, during this very tough time. You know, verses like Psalms um, 23. Psalms 23, as a young person, you memorize, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, etc., etc. But during this time um, of trauma and trial, these words became so real when the word said, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So sometimes when I look back, sometimes um, when we go through this traumatic experience, God's word suddenly becomes alive, becomes alive. The Bible says um, quite clearly in 1 Peter 4, 12 to 13. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 to 13 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning fiery trial, that which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. Rejoice. To the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. That's from the NKJV. I'll go to the NLT, a bit more simplified, a bit more modern. Um, it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised that the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. When I read that, um, I'm not sure about you, but when trials come to us as Christians, even, even now as a Christian for many years, you still get surprised. You're like, you know, why, why is this happening to me? You know, you, you do things by the book and these trials still happen to you. But it says that, don't be surprised. Instead, be glad. And that's a very hard thing to ask for. You know, as humans, it's very counterintuitive of, uh, to ask something of us because naturally, you know, when uh, something traumatic happens to you, you don't go, praise the Lord. You go, you know, uh, you start to question God, maybe. You start to, um, you start to curse a bit, maybe. You may start to mutter um, things. You may start to complain. But here it's saying, um, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to the world. So the reason it gives is that you can become partners with Christ with this suffering. So it gives a clear purpose of suffering is that um, Jesus himself, when we look back at his life and his death and his resurrection, we can see that he went through quite a bit of suffering uh, to, um, to understate it, but but through our own trials, we can see that Christ, um, uh, we can be partners with Christ. And not only that, not only partners with Christ, but the whole world will come to see his glory through our trials. Um, so, uh, the question is, how is his glory revealed through our trials? So to answer this question... Let's, ha- let's look at a few stories in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Roy shared a story of his favorite Bible character, right? Uh, and it's surprisingly a very low-key character, uh, a Samaritan woman, Samaritan woman? Was it? Yeah. Uh, who was um, seemingly insulted by Jesus with his answer that, you know, uh, uh, the crumbs are for dogs. Um, 
But for me, when I first came back to church, or as I was growing up, my role model has always been, um, or uh, what I strive to be is someone like Daniel. You know, because in the Bible, when you look at the story of Daniel, you see this guy who is very rare in the Bible to not to see um, someone without any flaws. Uh, nothing in the book of Daniel seemed to reveal the mistakes that Daniel might have taken or the mistakes that his friends had uh, committed. So for a very long time, Daniel was uh, my favorite Bible character. And, of course, his three friends as well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, um, if you know the story, uh, in the book of Daniel, there was them interpreting cryptic dreams. They were chit-chatting in the high-heat oven, and they were able to chill with the lions in the lion's den. And from our perspective, definitely these are very extraordinary experiences. And when we look at that, um, it's, it's definitely um, supernatural to us. But at the same time, we tend to question how were these young men able to endure all these things in their lives? Because uh, we see... So we see uh, the description of these people, these young people. Uh, it says in Daniel 1, verses 3 to 4, it says, Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So these guys weren't just, you know, um, everyday on the block sort of people. These guys were, you know, elite, right? They probably had... Um, a bright future ahead of them. They probably had hopes and dreams. They, uh, they were Israelites, and they probably wanted to uh, serve as priests, maybe. They probably wanted to uh, be, you know, um, be serving the king, the Israelite king at that time. But their dreams were shattered. They were instead captured by the Babylonian uh, army, and they were taken um, they were taken to a very far land, a place where they were not very familiar at all, the new culture. And you can also um, imagine the trauma that they faced. Their loved ones were killed probably in front of them, right in front of them. Uh, they can see their homes destroyed. And yet, these young people were able to stay faithful. And you can see throughout the book of Daniel how they stood firm um, and they were resolute with their, with their uh, dedication to God. And when I look back, I think they, they must have clung on to God's word uh, with, with promises that were in the books of Psalm, maybe. And they were probably uh, reading in Joshua, um, for example, as I said, Psalms 23, verse 4, which says, uh, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, you comfort me. And maybe in Psalms 27, verse 1, which says, The Lord is my, my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And 
They must have gone back to Joshua 1.9, which says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Don't be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So as I said before, um, it took the trial of their lives for these young men to actually experience the living word of God because they clung on to each and every promise of God and that brought them through not only to survive in Babylon, but to actually thrive in the midst of their enemies. We'll skip to another character um, in the Old Testament as well. Because as I matured in my faith, I started to, when I, when I read the Bible, I started to appreciate the fact that the Bible doesn't just um, glamorize everything. They actually show the flaws and the ups and downs in people's lives. And that's something that I really appreciate now. And um, here we see in First King chapter 18 that... Um, that Elijah had just had one of the biggest victories that you can imagine. Uh, it was him against 450 prophets of Baal. And then um, against the odds, he was able to experience this massive high of God stepping in and um, giving him this massive victory over the prophets of Baal. And shortly after, we go to chapter 19, First Kings chapter 19, verses 3 to 6. It says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. So to give a context to this, just, just after his victory, uh, the word went to Queen Jezebel, this authoritative um, um, queen at the time, that uh, what Elijah had done. He had, um, had this victory and all the priests of Baal were, um, were caused to die during that time. And just after this victory, uh, word came to Elijah that Jezebel's looking for him. And from my perspective, if you just had this massive victory of God actually literally bringing fire down from heaven to give you victory, then you shouldn't fear anything, right? But for some reason, Elijah ran for his life, it says. And we can look at him and judge him quite harshly because uh, it's from a third-person point of view. But when we look at our own lives, <clears throat> when I look at my life anyway, um, I, I sometimes uh, tend to forget the victories that God brought us through. Um, even after the massive victories that God brings us through, sometimes we still doubt his word. And when... when when we come across trials, we sometimes still get blinded. Because as, as humans, uh, it's understandable that we have uh, our emotions sometimes tend to take over uh, what we know is true, that God is going to come through for us. And it's, it says in verse 4 that he actually prayed to die. So, uh, he's, so he, the last... The last um, part of the verse says, uh, he prayed that he might die. Uh, he said, I have had enough, Lord, and uh, take my life. I'm no longer better than my ancestors. So you see here, our man, Elijah, is literally suicidal at that time. 
But I'm thankful to God that he doesn't listen to us in those times when we, we utter very, um, very emotional phrases like that. Because at times uh, when we're going through trials, we tend to say these silly things to God. And here, um, Elijah said, you know, let me die. But um, praise God, that wasn't the end of his story. And uh, if you continue to read, you'll see that God um, ministered to him through an angel even. So uh, when we look at our own trials, we must remember that in the midst of our, uh, our trials, when we call out to God, he's even willing to send his angels to comfort us. There's actually a quote I came across recently, and it reminded me of uh, Elijah's experience right here. It says, when I look within me, I feel depressed. When I look around me, I feel distressed. But when I look to Jesus, I feel blessed, caressed, and at rest. And when you apply that in your own lives, it's actually very true, because uh, when we turn our eyes upon Jesus, then our problems, which seem to be so big, and our emotions kind of magnify those problems as well, they tend to, they tend to um, as the song says, they grow dim because you now focus on the solution and not the problems. Yeah, that's a quote there. And let's go. Uh, our last story is um, a thousand years later, actually. A thousand years later in a dark, probably smelly, um, dingy prison in um, and Paul and Silas, followers of Jesus, were wrongly imprisoned. They, they were accused of something um, that was overblown. You know, uh, and they were they were put in prison unfairly. Who would say? And they were flogged, and they were possibly bleeding in the dark. So at that time, I would say they had every right to feel negative, and they had every right to feel sorry for themselves. But instead, in Acts chapter seventeen. Uh, 16, we see here, it says that, it says that they were actually praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. You see here, um, it was actually a very dire sort of experience that they were having, yet they were able to sing songs of uh, praises and also um, they were able to minister through this. And it's in a, and in our own lives as well. I believe that every trial is a chance for us to be able to sing songs of praises, experience God's word, and um, also be a witnessing experience, a witnessing opportunity to those around us. Um, my wife Michelle and I just um, moved moved to Parkville not too long ago, and um, yeah, I think 
sometimes I try to put myself in Michelle's shoes because uh, she moved from Thailand um, all the way here, and uh, she has to adjust with the country, with the culture, with the weather, and everything. And on top of that, she started working just recently, about uh, three, four weeks ago, about four weeks ago actually. And he, yeah, there there are definitely many challenges, but also um, also recently. Since we moved to the new house, we've made a routine for us to start um, start practicing or start having um, evening devotionals together. And during those devotionals, we sing scripture songs. In those scripture songs, um, scripture songs, some of them are very they have a very kiddie sort of tune, you know. But even those ones. Um, in, in tense times, I think those, those lift our spirits quite a bit. And when we look at the story of Paul and Silas, I, I can totally relate uh, why these hymns actually lifted the spirits. But not only lift the spirits, but lift the spirits of people around them as well. Um, okay. So uh, we see, when we look at the whole story in Acts chapter 16, not only did Paul and Silas minister to those other prisoners, but they also ministered to the jailer because a big earthquake happened. And, um, you know, supernaturally, they were able to be all free. So the jailer said he might as well end his life because that's the end of him, right? Um, he was responsible for these jailers, uh, for these prisoners, and... They're all gone. But um, so to his surprise, Paul and Silas and all these prisoners were still there. And um, not only were they there, but they actually ministered to him. Ministered to him and uh, told him about Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And so this, this, um, this event which seemed seemed like a very um, trying event for Paul and Silas turned out to be one of a witnessing opportunity. Not only to the man, but also to his family. It's just that him and his family gave their lives to the Lord because of this. So in the story so far, we see that God's glory is clearly seen through the suffering and trials of each individual and what they had to go through. And it reminds me of the verse which says, all things work for the good of those that love the Lord. But when, when you hear that verse, you tend to think, okay, uh, all things work for the good. But for the good to be revealed, sometimes things have to go really bad. So over the years in my Christian walk, I've been able to come across three simple um, strategies or methods that I've um, applied in my own life to be able to deal with negative uh, thoughts and negative situations in my life. Um, one is to hold on to God's promises. Um, as, you, as I shared earlier, this can be through memorizing God's word. Uh, this can be through memorizing songs, hymns, uh, whatever that's uplifting to you. Um, God's word can really come alive when you're going through trials, especially when you're going through trials as well. 
And the second very important one is to surround yourself with encouraging and helpful people. Sometimes, um, I don't know about you, but for myself, sometimes you want to surround yourself with people who say the things you want to hear. You know, like, uh, you know, um, you, you've had it too hard, you know, uh, take it easy on yourself. But, um, but uh, it's important to surround ourselves with encouraging people who will help us elevate to the next level in our faith. And uh, I was blessed through the years to be able to have those kind of people in my life. Like uh, when I was going through that traumatic experience two years after I came back to church, um, when I was just a young Christian at that time, I remember people like Pastor Tini and Jemelin. They not only encouraged me with God's word, they used to send me you know, scriptures when I was really down. Um, but they actually were there physically. They cooked for me. They took me in and then um, really embraced me. And over the years, um, I've had other trials in my life. And I've had the church, um, the church family, different people in the church family embrace me. And I'm very thankful for that. And uh, the third one, as you saw, Elijah spending a lot of time um, in nature, which helped him to get rid of his uh, suicidal thoughts as well, I believe. And I've actually took, taken that on in my own life. Um, I spent a lot of time in nature, hiking, and um, and also, yeah, um, I think being in nature and also the exercise of being in nature uh, also increases the dopamine levels for yourself and for you to be more positive. So, to close off, I'd like to go to the last book of the Bible. The last book of the Bible. And actually, if you read through the sequence of these uh, first few chapters of Revelation, you realize that this chapter is actually for us as a church, um, the last day church, we would say. So, for the last day church, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and open the door. I will come in and dine with him and he with me. And LT says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That's some... Um, imagine the God of the, uni- the universe... Um, our Savior himself, saying that he wants to spend time with us as friends, eating. I've made many friends during the years, over the years, and many of my good friends, I love sitting and eating together with them. Um, And here, Jesus is inviting us to experience that um, intimacy with him. But before, before we get to this point of verse 20, we go back a couple of verses it says, Jesus himself says that uh, we need to first buy from him gold tried in fire. So that symbolizes, that represents the fact that uh, he wants to make us pure and he wants to purify us. He wants to make us gold because he sees us as 
very valuable, even though we sometimes might not think we're very, very valuable. But he wants to try us. He wants to uh, bring these difficult situations. He allows these difficult situations to come into our lives so that we may be purified, tried in fire. And um, as I end, I want to end with the verse that Brian read earlier, which is Romans 5, 3 to 5, which says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope in, of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how, dis- how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Here we see uh, the true purpose of these trials. The true purpose is actually to help us to have that more intimate relationship with Christ and also for us to grow. So, brothers and sisters, when you come across trials and... Um, they may be very, uh, they may be very challenging emotionally, maybe physically, as well. Some people, for some people, but when we come across trials, let's always remember that it's for our own growth, and um, let's embrace that challenge and um, let's choose to grow instead of instead of give up on um, the hope that God has for us. So I hope that the message today uh, will be able to bring encouragement to you all. God bless.